Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. It's 10 o'clock. It's beautiful, and uh, it's time for us to be in the Word together. Time for Tim with Tim. We have just surely started the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. We're going verse by verse, and we are today doing chapters 3 and 4 because they're just so short, uh, but they're good. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed studying these uh, with you this morning. Chapter 3. Um, this is kind of the last of the narrative sections. By narrative, I mean it tells a story. It doesn't come just in a in poetic form. Most everything else is just going to be the poetic substance of Jose's preaching. But we get this little section, which is chapter 3. It's very short, but it's really interesting in several ways. First off, it's first person. Remember I said that Chapter 1, which is sort of giving us the whole background of Jose's family and how Jose's family is going to metaphorically stand in for the people of God, right? Um, chapter 1, though, is told in third person. It's somebody else telling you about Jose's family. You know, Jose married Gomer. You know, it's all in third person. But uh, chapter 3 is first person. It's Jose telling his own story, and we don't really get that in this way anywhere else. So I, it, it's interesting for that reason. Um, it's also kind of interesting. Um, it, it causes questions for those who really want to jump in deep weeds because um, it doesn't say Gomer. It doesn't say Gomer. So people have you know raised questions as to whether it's the same woman uh, I don't have any reason to question that whatsoever. I mean, I know who his wife is, you, you know. So that doesn't that doesn't it doesn't bother me that her name isn't, you know, used, you know. Actually, if I was a woman and my name was Gomer, I would ask people to use my name as as rarely as possible. <laughs> I don't guess I mean that, but you know what I mean? It's like Gomer. Um it doesn't say Gomer, but it's his wife. So it's it's Gomer. Uh, so um, the other question here is, uh, again, where the word again goes in the Hebrew text. Uh, did the Lord say again, go, or did he say go love your wife again? It, does it really matter? Uh, I mean, you know, scholars stay up all night, in my mind, making up questions that the answers aren't going to matter. You know, whether it says Gomer or not, it says his wife. He's only got one wife. And whether it says the Lord said again or to go do again, what's the difference? It, it doesn't make a difference. We know what's happening here. Actually, we kind of don't. <laughs> uh, we know what's happening, but we don't know exactly what's happening. Uh Jose and Gomer have experienced some sort of separation. It sounds like to me, eventually, her, her skirts got shorter and shorter, and she just eventually, you know, disappeared, and she no longer came home at all. She stayed out later and later every night, and then eventually she just didn't come home. Uh, Jose's a single dad raising the kids, you know, and then sooner or later he finds out, you know, he sees something on Facebook or otherwise gets a message from Gomer's mama that says she's, man, she's in bad trouble, and she is. Um, we don't exactly know what's happening in, in, in chapter 3, the nature of Jose's buying her back. We, we don't know what's happening. We just don't. Um it, it, she's obviously in legal and economic and moral trouble that is, you know, indescribable. And I guess we'd all say he's not obligated to go get this heifer. I mean, you know what I mean? She has been so unfaithful to him. You know, none of the kids are his. You know, he's raising some other, somebody else's kids, you know, but he adopts them as his own because he loves them. And because, uh, understand it or not, he still loves Gomer. 
you know, he loves her. And so he goes inexplicably, he just goes and does whatever it takes to bring her home. And whatever it takes is apparently costs a lot of money. I guess in our day, he's bailing her out of jail, you know, or um, she's, you know, got in trouble with her pimp or otherwise her drug dealer. You know, uh, the bottom line is he has to pay uh, to get her out of her indebtedness. So whether she owes money to like a pimp, drug dealer, you know, I'm just trying to put it in our day. You're, you know, like I say, it cost him a lot of his own money to to acquire her, to be able to bring her home. Possibly he's literally purchasing her out of some sort of enslavement, indentured servanthood. We don't know. We don't know. We just know that morally, legally, economically, uh, Gomer is uh, as far as, as sunk as low as she can go. And Gomer still loves her. Jose still loves her and goes and, and brings her back. Um, and again, the, the sermon is made clear. This is to show, you know, Jose loves her like God loves his people. Uh, whew, you know, I mean, the book of Ephesians says that a husband's supposed to love his wife the way Christ loves the church. And, and we romanticize it in the book of Ephesians. But Jose, you know, this is real life here. You know, this is what it looks like to love your wife the way God loves us. I mean, it looks like this. I mean, I mean we think of ourselves as some sort of beautiful bride <laughs> that, you know, who couldn't love us, right? I mean, but no, Jose holds up a real mirror and shows us what it's really like to love us, you know? And this is what it looks like. You are a whole lot more like Gomer than you think, and I am too. And that's the point. This is the way God loves us. He continues to cancel our debts he continues to pull us out of the mess we have put ourselves in. He continues to love us and give us a home when we won't even stay home. You, you know, uh, this is how he loves us. Uh, just a couple of things about chapter three, and, and I'll move on to chapter four. Uh, he brings her home, but there is this period in which, you know, okay, you're not going to have sex with anybody, uh, including me. You know, it is sex. It is her uh, lusting away, which causes her corruption. And for that reason, she going to need a period of sobriety. You know, she's going to go through a period where she's going to learn how to control herself. You know, um, that's the way I read it. You know, and again, that period of purification is mirrored in this period in, in Israel's history when there will be a long time without king or prince or sacrifices or sacred pillars or priests or even idols. The idea is these are all the things that cause Israel's corruption. And for that reason, there's going to be a time when they're not going to have access to any of these things. A period of time when the things that you need to be a real nation, you're not going to have because, you know, you know, we're going to give it to you and you're going to spend it all in one day anyway. So you don't get anything. Um, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, the other way is the, the translation of that sentence. And I remind you, Jose is painfully difficult to translate. Uh, it could just mean you're not going to have sex with anybody else, and I'm not either. It, it's a pledge of mutual faithfulness. You could read it that way, but I don't think that makes sense with what follows that period of purification in Israel's life. So I, I would read it that way. Notice... Uh, Verse 5, devote themselves to the Lord, their God, and to David's descendant, their king. Little messianic prophecy there because we do know that there is going to be a glorious, you know, ruler from the line of David who is going to bring his people home, and his name is Jesus, right? So there's that little messianic uh, plug there. 
uh, and in the last days they will tremble in awe at the Lord and his goodness. Um, they're going to know his goodness. Uh, Jose is a, a living illustration of God's goodness, his eternal love. But, but also, I would just add there, if you don't know God's goodness, you don't know God. You know, if you don't know him good, you don't know him at all. Um, chapter 4, uh, let, let me hit some things pretty quickly. Um, verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Now, let me just say, chapter 4 begins a new section in Hosea. We're not going to get any, any more of the, you know, days of our lives kind of update on his family life. Uh, but it's in the background, and, and Jose will continue to use that metaphor of marriage and family and unfaithfulness to talk about the sins of the people. But from this point on, it's all poetic. It's Hosea's sermons, uh, and, and we go from there. Uh, this section is, is uh, chapters 4 to about 11, and it's just God and his people, and, and we'll take those one and two chapters at a time. Uh, verse 1, hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. Uh, Hosea is speaking here, but talking about this case, uh, this accusation, this allegation, this legal you know, a, a verdict that God is bringing against his people. There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. Now, no faithfulness, no kindness. These are twin, you know, these always go together in scripture, God's loving kindness, his faithfulness, his kindness. These typically refer to God. And the point is the people don't look much like God because as we go on, they don't know him. There's no knowledge of God. This knowledge of God is one of Jose's favorite themes, and we'll talk about it as we go, but there's no knowledge of God. Pay attention to that. As you're reading it, just learn to underline right there the places where Jose will talk about the knowledge of God. Again, you got to know him. If you don't know him, you won't be like him. You don't have faithfulness. You don't have kindness because you don't know the God that you say you belong to. You don't know him. You see that? You make vows and break them. You kill, you steal, you commit adultery. Uh, scholars love to talk about Jose's uh, interaction with the Ten Commandments, with the Decalogue. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, you know, no idols. I mean, it's almost like Jose has one text that he's preaching, and it's the Ten Commandments. And these, you know, you, uh, you kill, you steal, you commit adultery. He's just going right down the Ten Commandments. You know, one violence after another, bloodshed leads to bloodshed. And that is why, that is why the land is in mourning. That is why. This is what a biblical prophet does. He connects the dots. This is why. Uh, and what he does is he connects the dots. He connects and draws a straight line from the sin of the people to the condition they're in or the future they're about to come into. It's a straight line. What's happening to you now is because of what you did then. The sin brings consequences. And the biblical prophets draw a straight line between sin and consequences. This is what a biblical prophet does. I, I know, I know. We think a prophecy is like telling the future. And sometimes prophets tell the future, but what they're telling is, you know what the future you're going to get? It's going to come back to, you're going to reap what you sow. It's a direct line between the sin and its consequences. So that is why, again, that's a very uh, biblical, prophetic way of saying it. This is why, this is why. Uh, the land is in mourning. I, I, I could preach about that. Um, it goes back to what Paul says about how the earth groans. You know, it's like the land wants to spit you out because it's the promised land. That's what he's saying. This is the land God gave you, the land that God prepared for you. This is a holy promise land that flows with milk and honey and you're polluting it with your nastiness. You know, the land mourns us. Uh, 
even the wild animals are birds of the sky. Uh, what follows is a long stretch to the priest, and you know, don't we deserve it? I mean, the priest, um, um, the priests are the problem. Again, notice what it says here. Uh, the, the people don't know God. My people are being sorry because they don't know me, but you priests don't know me, you, you know? Uh, the people and the priests here in this section, and the people don't know God because the, you know, the dudes that are supposed to be helping you know God, they don't know God either, and they're not trying to help you know God. You know, ooh, you know uh, priests are held at a higher, uh, all of us who would claim to be you know, leaders, ministers, preachers, teachers, we're, we're judged at a higher standard because we have a responsibility to people. And again, I, 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 in my prayer time this morning, I, I've taken this passage very, very seriously. You know, people can't know any more about God than their, than their ministers do, than their pastor does. If you've been under my teaching, you know, for these 27 years at Woodburn Baptist Church and you don't know something about something, man, that's on me, you know, and I take that responsibility very seriously. Verse 10, the Hebrew says, man, they, they eat the people's sin. They're sin eaters. They eat their sin. What does that mean? Uh, well, when the people would sin, they would bring a sin offering in, and then the priest was obligated to eat a portion of that. Or you could say he was you know, privileged to eat a portion. I mean, that's pretty good food there, y'all. That's meat. And the point is here, man, they're eating up your sin. They, they kind of like it when you sin, because when you sin, they get to eat good. You know, It's that casual callousness with which the priests no, no longer regard the people's sin as a tragedy. As a matter of fact, you could say they're eating it up, and that's what Jose is saying there. I call your attention to verse 16. We'll come back to these themes. That, uh, Jose loves animal similes, animal metaphors, and here he says, man, Israel's like a stubborn old heifer. Oh, heifer. Uh, he will use many images like that, c comparing people to animals. He uses those uh, illustrations in his preaching. I've gone way over time, you guys. I will see you Monday morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. We'll do chapters 5 and 6 together. Chapter 5, verse 1 through chapter 6, verse 11. Short chapters. Love you guys so much. Sunday morning at Woodburn, our choir does a Christmas program. It's called Go Tell It. Uh, we're doing our, our missions offering, so come prepared to give support missions. I love you guys so much. Uh, have a great weekend.